and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Please turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 2 verse 1. Today, from a sermon which Pastor Elliot originally presented to his church in Pennsylvania, we'll see that a pastor's ministry is so much easier when God's people who are in His care live at peace with one another and when those persons pray for Him. And now with his message for today is Pastor Robert Elliott. The second passage I want to share for your consideration is 1 Timothy 5, 17 to 20. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. This passage is calling a congregation to honor and to support the pastor teachers that God has gifted them with as a local church. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. This pair of verses is saying that pastors should feel appreciation from the congregations they serve with and respect and love. And did you catch the last part? Live in peace with one another. How much easier a pastor's ministry is if the people in the congregations they serve get along together in peace. The last verse I'd like for you to consider about how you as a congregation can cooperate with Christ in the upholding of pastor teachers is 1 Thessalonians 5.25 and it's a very short command. Brethren, pray for us. Brethren, pray for us. In all 13 of Paul's inspired letters in the New Testament, we see mutual prayer. He says in these letters, I'm praying for you, but on the flip side of that, he says, please pray for me. There's always mutual prayer in all of the epistles that the Spirit of God wrote for the New Testament through the Apostle Paul. He would say, I'm praying for you, and then he would say to the churches he was writing, you pray for me. Commentator Alfred Plummer observed that Paul prayed for himself, prayed for other believers, and Paul asked other believers to pray for him, and Paul told other believers to pray for themselves and for others. The Lord Jesus, however, prayed for himself and for his disciples. The Lord Jesus told believers to pray for themselves, to pray for others. However, Jesus never asked anyone to pray for him. Christ doesn't need any prayer. Christ has no imperfections. Jesus lacks nothing. Paul needed prayer. Church leaders in general need prayer. I need prayer, lots of it, because church leaders like me have many imperfections. Church leaders like me have lots of needs. Church leaders like me regularly fall short. It was Toronto pastor 
Gerald Griffiths, who had a radio ministry in the last century when there weren't radio ministries much in Canada, had a wife who wrote a whole series of children's books that are still being used, Mrs. G, a high prominent popular pastor in downtown Toronto. And what he said still holds. He said whenever anybody complimented him on his ministry, he said, great churches make great pastors. Churches that pray for their pastor, churches that cooperate in obedience to the word of God and the Holy Spirit and mature spiritually into fully committed followers of Christ that exercise their spiritual gifts to the glory of God. Great churches make great pastors. You know, sometimes I think watching the uh, NFL playoffs that NFL QBs are like pastors. Both of us get way too much blame when it goes wrong and way too much credit when it goes right. Great churches make great pastors. So pray for us. Please pray for us. Pastors Neil and Brian and myself, and if you're visiting from a different church and you have other pastors, pray for us. In 1810, there was a man born by the name of Gardiner Spring. He died in 1872. He was the pastor of Brick Presbyterian Church in New York City. He wrote this about the need to passionately pray for those in spiritual leadership. Quote, we entreat the churches to regard with a more deliberate and devout mind the great work itself to which their ministers are devoted, to explain the doctrines and enforce the duties of the genuine Christianity this is our duty, to defend the truth against all subtlety and versatility of error, to sustain with their own minds that sense of God's presence of those moral sanctions which are revealed in his word, and to experience that deep and tender impression of the things that are unseen and eternal that are necessary to give earnestness to their preaching, as well as that consistent life and bearing that are necessary to give power to their preaching. And to do this in a way that shall adapt itself to different times, places, occasions, and characters without being disheartened by difficulties, overwhelmed by enemies, and weary of the yoke which they have taken upon themselves is no ordinary work. If a people are looking for rich sermons from their minister, their prayers must supply him with the needed material. If they seek for faithful sermons, their prayers must urge him by a full and uncompromising manifestation of the truth to commend himself to every man's conscience in the sight of God. If God's people are going to expect powerful and successful sermons, their prayers must make him a blessing to the souls of men. Would they have come to them in the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of peace, with a pounding heart and a burning eye and a glowing tongue and with sermons bathed in tears and filled with prayers? If so, their prayers must urge him to pray and their tears inspire his thrilling heart with the strong yearnings of Christian affection. It is in their own prayer closets that the people of God most effectively challenge their beloved ministers to take heed to the ministry they have received from the Lord Jesus. Oh, 
It is a fearful expense that ministers are ever allowed to enter the pulpit without being preceded, accompanied, and followed by the earnest prayers of the church. It is no marvel that the pulpit is so powerless and ministers so often disheartened when there are so few who uphold their hands. The consequence of neglecting this duty is seen and felt in the spiritual declination of the churches and it will be seen and felt in the everlasting perdition, that means damnation, of men, while the consequence of regarding it would be the ingathering of multitudes into the kingdom of God and the new glories to the lamb that was slain." End of quote. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and I am the youth pastor here at Calvary Bible Church, and you are listening to another edition of Youth Talk. And we want to continue on what we've been talking about for the last two weeks, talking about running this race. And many questions may come up as you think of running this race, as we talked about last week, looking at Jesus as being the author and finisher of our faith and recognizing that, you know, we need to release the sin. We need to confess the sin in our lives to him. But you may be listening this morning. You may think to yourself, well, you know what? I've messed up. You know, what would God want with me? I messed up so many times in my life. Why would God want anything to do with me? Well, I'm here to tell you that in, as we think of even a race, we think of someone with hurdles. There are many people that run a race and they have to go over hurdles. And they understand that if they trip, they got to continue the race. They don't stop. They continue to fight. They continue to reach for that finish line. They continue to, to, to just do what they can, do the best that they can. In fact, I remember um, watching a race at the Olympics one time where this um, athlete had blown out their knee and they couldn't finish the race anymore. And what had happened was they wanted to finish. They wanted to cross that finish line because that was the goal. And as we saw and we saw pictures of, of different athletes picking this person up and taking them over the finish line, they realized, you know what? I have reached the goal. This is what I wanted to do. This is what I trained for. I trained to finish the race. They may not have gotten the medal. They may not have gotten the award that they may have wanted, but they realized that they had done what they planned to do, and that was to finish the race. And Paul, in Philippians chapter 3, he talks a little bit about this, that we need to understand that no matter what has happened in our past, we need to look ahead. We talked a little bit about this last week as we talked about looking at Jesus as the perfecter and finisher of our faith. But Paul is even going a step further and saying that we need to forget what lies behind. And if you have your Bibles, we can turn to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. It says this, Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. And this verse is saying that, look, we may sometimes think we have arrived and we have done all that we can, but the reality is, is that we have never arrived because we are striving to be like Christ, who is perfect, who is the perfecter, who is everything that we strive to be like and who we strive to be like. And this is why Paul continued, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do is forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. You know, for many of us, as we run this, this race of the Christian life, if we had to dwell on our past, and we, if we had to think that Jesus um, used that against us every single time, we would never want to even think about this relationship with Jesus Christ. 
But Paul makes it very clear as we and we can consider Paul's life when we see what Paul was like before he came to know Christ, where he actually killed Christians and we saw what he did, and we may say, What would God want with Paul? But we know what, what God can do in a person's life, but we see in Paul's life we see a change on that road to Damascus as his eyes are open to what God has for him. And he recognized that you know what? This is what God has for me. And we know that Paul went on to be the greatest missionary and wrote the most books in the New Testament. What a story of redemption. What a story of a, a loving God that, that said, you know what? I'm going to also use your past to bring me on in glory. And that's what we need to understand, that everything that we've been through in life, God has had a plan for it. And that's why he makes it very clear to Paul. But one thing I do is forgetting what lies behind. Does it mean that we will not um, have consequences of our sin? No. Does it mean that life will just go perfect? No. But we need to understand that we cannot dwell on the mistakes that we have made. We need to learn from our mistakes. And we need to understand that as we put what's behind us, we need to also strain forward to what lies ahead. We need to not look behind us, but we need to look ahead. Again, as we think of a race, there is no one who will run a race and look behind them because we don't know what's in the front of us. We don't know what is and, you know, coming. We, if we're looking behind us, we may trip over even our own feet. We may trip over something that may be on the track, on the road. We need to understand that we are straining forward to what lies ahead. We are doing what we can to bring honor and glory to God. And that's why verse 14 says this, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Again, as we looked at last week and we talked about Jesus Christ being the finish line, this is what we're doing. This is the goal that we have. You know, we started out as we talked about this race, we talked about how there are many runners in this race, but only a few will get a prize. And that's what we need to understand. We need to run a race to win the prize. We need to run the race because the goal is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's what God wants us to do. It's what God has for us. It's what God is, is saying that, you know what? I want to use what you have done in the past, but I want, you, want it to bring honor and glory to me. We can't dwell on what we, mistakes we have made. If we did that, we would all be in trouble. Because we have all made mistakes. We have all done things that we are ashamed of. We have all done things that we know are wrong. But we have a God who is loving, that still wants something to do with us. Verse 15 even says, Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So, only let us hold true to what we have attained. So I would challenge you. And I want you to think about this. What is it that you are looking behind? What is it that you need to let go? Something in your past and say, God, I confess this to you. I give this to you. I want this to be used to bring honor and glory to your name. And I don't want to dwell on it. I want to, I want to just look at you and I want to forget about it. Pray to God and ask him to help you. Also ask God, you know what, God, have you done this thing in my life that it may be a testimony for you that I may lead someone else to Christ? Because we need to understand that all of us have been through different circumstances. You may be a person listening this morning and you may say, you know what, 
I've done drugs, I've done alcohol. Well, I've never done that. But you know what the reality is? You can help that person who has done drugs and alcohol better than I could ever do because I don't know what that life is like. But I've done other things, and I can help those people, and you may not be able to. So we need to understand as the body of Christ, we need to work together. And we have all been through different things in life, and we need to understand that we need to forget about those things and strain forward. Don't let them hold us down, but we need to pursue Christ with everything that we have. And I would just challenge you this morning again, give God 100% of you. Finish the race, run the race strong, so at the end of this race, he may say, good and faithful servant. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Well, this morning I have my friend Dale Losh in the radio studio. He serves as the president of Cross World Mission and was a dear friend all the way back from Dallas Seminary days together. Good morning, Dale. Good morning, Rob. Good to be with you. So glad you're here. You, as president of an evangelical faith-based mission, have uh, no doubt some familiarity with some great answers to prayer around the world. And I just wondered if you would take a few minutes to share with our listeners some great news that you've heard God working around the world. Well, uh, Rob, I think you would agree with me that God is always working. Yes. And uh, even in places where we don't necessarily see that as evidently, God is working. Absolutely. Um, there are places uh, such as the Muslim world that um, have been very um, slow in uh, producing fruit. And uh, I have heard reports from various places that that, uh, that is changing. Uh, we have uh, people who are working amongst Muslims in various parts of the world, and uh, one in particular uh, in Central Asia that uh, our workers there say it appears that there are more people coming to faith uh, just in the last few years than at any other time that we know of in history in that particular area. Now, it's Wonderful. still a trickle, mm -hmm. um, but um, it's a big change from what it has been. Yes. Uh, so we're very encouraged by that, and uh, those are often hard parts of the world, and uh, we, we long for God to send more workers into those harvest areas now that the fruit is starting to come. Yes. Uh, God is at work uh, here in our own country. We have... Um, just read a story uh, a few weeks ago of one of our uh, retired workers, uh, uh, a lady named Doris, who uh, she and her husband spent most of their lives working amongst a remote people in uh, uh, Mexico. Mm -hmm. And uh, her husband died a, a couple of years ago, and Doris decided she didn't want to spend the rest of her days uh, eating TV dinners and watching uh, uh, the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> and uh, so she has um, continued in ministry, and so she goes into the prisons in Texas. And nice. uh, just a, a couple of months ago, she went in and uh, went up to uh, one of the inmates there, Melissa, who had been in for some serious crime. And she said to Melissa, do you know that Jesus loves you? And what she didn't know, what Doris didn't know, was that Melissa was demon-possessed. And she just exploded um, in response uh, to Doris' question. But Doris has seen a lot uh, more difficult things in life than a demon-possessed uh, inmate in Texas prison. So the next week she came back hmm. and she wanted to go and look up Melissa. She went and looked up Melissa and the woman was totally changed. She said, what happened to you? And Melissa said, you told me last week that Jesus loved me. And I began reading the Bible and I've been saved. Wow. 
Praise I mean, Lord. so I mean, amazing things that God and Doris is 84 years of age. All right. Um, I think of what God is doing in the jungles of uh, of Brazil. Um, we have had people working amongst um, some very primitive people called the Yanomami for almost 50 years, and uh, with very very little result. And about four years ago now, something started to happen, and. Um, we don't have time for me to tell you the whole story, but through a series of events, uh, some of our, our people, along with a small group of tribal believers, went into a, a new remote area. At the invitation of, of this group, they said, we want you to come and, and tell us about the book. And they came, they found 450 uh, tribal peoples from 20 villages had gathered for this thing. Wow. And uh, there was a group of five men uh, from one of those villages said, we heard, we heard this story 40 years ago. There was a, a, a white man who had come in. It turns out it was one of ours from 40 years ago. And they began singing some of the songs that they had taught them. Wow. And, uh, and they said, and the five of these guys, they said, we believe that story. We've been trying to walk that walk all these years. Huh. And they said, we want to be baptized. And Whoa. at the end of this, this uh, week-long conference, um, they saw over 200 uh, people from uh, this tribal group baptized, which is uh, more than they saw in 40 years of ministry. Yes. So God is at work in the prisons of Texas. God is at work in in uh, the jungles of Brazil. God is at work in uh, the Muslim countries of the Middle East. And um, so we just want to be attentive to where he's working and and join him in it. Amen. That should be a great encouragement to all of us that uh, the person that we're praying for, maybe our mate or, or our child, uh, our neighborhood that seems so dark, seems so uh, lost in sin, that the Spirit of God is moving in those situations as we pray as well. I love the verse that, that says that God never slumbers nor sleeps, mm -hmm. that he works the night shift. And so even when we are out cold sleeping god is still working in in the lives that we care about and pray for yeah i like to say that uh god never slumbers and sleeps so that we can we do need to sleep we yes. do need you know it doesn't depend on us we just walk obediently with him but um he's at work 24 7. absolutely that's a good point that we do need that sleep restorative sleep um i think it was george mcdonald who said that God gives to his beloved in their sleep because we won't let him give some things he intends to give to us while we're awake. <laughs> That's <laughs> maybe a theological uh, conundrum, but nonetheless. Well, yes, God is at work. I wonder, Dale, if you would uh, commit in prayer the listeners that are there uh, listening today. Some are uh, strong Christians. Some may have just come across the dial this morning on ZNS and listened. They didn't know why. Uh, some are facing uh, a lot of discouragement. Maybe they're unemployed. Maybe there's a lot of friction in their families. Uh, maybe life is just plenty hard mm. for a number of reasons. And I wonder with your uh, pastor's heart, if you could just close this segment off, please, in intercessory prayer. Sure. Heavenly Father, I thank you that um, you are at work all over the world today. I thank you for the myriad of ways that you do that, radio being one of them. Thank you for planting uh, your people in so many parts of the world today. And I, I pray particularly for those who uh, are able to hear this broadcast uh, by radio and are listening 
uh, right now. And uh, I ask you, Heavenly Father, that by your Spirit and your Word, you would minister to whatever needs they are sensing. Some of them, Lord, who have walked with you for years and maybe are tired and and need uh, the Good Shepherd to restore their soul, would you do that for them today? Some of them who maybe have never uh, tuned into uh, this kind of a program before and are intrigued uh, about the idea of God being at work. And Father, we thank you that you're such a personal God that you see them right now and you want them to know you. And so I pray that those who don't know you, uh, that you would reveal yourself to them through your word and mm -hmm. through perhaps another believer who is uh, living in proximity to them who could come and minister to them. Yeah. Father, for those who are weak, would you strengthen them? For those who are lonely, would you show to them that you are their friend and one who will never leave them or forsake them? For those who may be in need of employment and income, would you show yourself to be the provider that um, you are the God who can bring manna out of heaven in the middle of a desert. You are the God who can provide meat for uh, a million people like you did for the Israelites when they were there in the desert and even their leader said, how is that possible? Mm -hmm. And you responded, uh, is the Lord's arm short? Uh, and we know the answer to that, it isn't short mm -hmm. and that you can do anything. So we pray that you would show yourself to be the provider for those who are concerned about what they need to get by today. And Father, we just uh, want to thank you that you love us uh, and that you care about everything that's on our hearts today. Would you uh, minister to each one? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.